Hello and welcome to Future Thinking. I'm your host, Chris Slowly, the editor of CityWire Selector. There are three certainties, death, taxes, and if a podcast goes on long enough, someone will eventually mention Bitcoin. What is really going on behind the mad spikes in the price and projections that we'll soon be choking on the fumes of server farms the size of South Africa? Who better to guide us through this complex world than Peter Habermacher, the co-founder and CEO of RO Capital? Peter co-founded RO Capital with Agnes Jane to outline the realities of distributed ledger technology, or blockchain as it is more commonly known. In this discussion, we will look at why the future of cryptocurrency neither starts nor ends with just a basic understanding of Bitcoin. Hello and welcome to this episode of Future Thinking with me, Chris Slowly, the editor of CityWire Selector. I'm joined today by Peter Habermacher, the co-founder and CEO of RO Capital. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me, Chris. So I've started there without actually explaining what we're going to talk about. So one thing that people have seen or talked about massively over the last couple of years is the rise of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and blockchain. But I would probably fall into the group of people who have a surface knowledge of that without understanding the background, whereas you have done a lot more work on that front and are heavily involved in DLT, which I'm sure we will come on to, and uh, the future, Industrial Revolution 4.0. So I don't know where the right place to start would be. I think probably if we kicked off with looking at how much of that DLT conversation, which I'll leave you to explain what that acronym means, how much of that gets solely stuck on Bitcoin and how annoying is that for you? Yeah. Um, so DLT is short for distributed ledger technology, uh, which is a kind of a special form of a distributed database where everyone essentially has their own copy, independent copy of the database. And then everyone has to agree on what that, well, what should be included in the database, what shouldn't be included in that database. And as, as this database is normally financial transactions, this basically means that you're agreeing on what everyone's kind of bank balance should be inverted commas on the crypto network. Um, and this is very tightly linked to blockchain, which is kind of the more kind of common term used. And the relationship between these two is that um, blockchain is the, by far the most common form of DLT. So what, so as you can they often kind of get stuck around the kind of Bitcoin story and that's normally what you hear in the news and, and what kind of drives a shorter term interest, especially for on kind of the real retail side of things. Um, but this is because it's like Bitcoin over the past 10 years, it's the largest cryptocurrency, it's the oldest cryptocurrency and it has really powerful brand. You really have to kind of go out there in the wilderness to find someone that doesn't know the term Bitcoin and recognize the kind of bright orange logo. But there is a much broader story behind the crypto-led headline, which most investors haven't spotted yet, let alone knowing how to exploit. So DLT and crypto assets are inherently intertwined with the fourth industrial revolution. And today we find ourselves entering industrial revolution 4.0 or the data revolution, which centers around cyber physical systems, digital scarcity, automated decision-making and networks. And technologies such as internet of things, artificial intelligence and big data are all about effectively integrating and using data in different ways. As previously explained, DLT is just a new, essentially new type of database technology. And it's, uh, we believe, key to enabling the data sharing and the flow required of this of data to really unlock the full potential of these data intensive technologies. 
and kind of crypto in its true sense is way more than just Bitcoin. It's a next generation value-based internet. Well, can I just loop it back around? Because again, I think I've sort of jumped about with um, the introduction aspect of things by jumping straight into that. With how does Aero Capital fit into that then? How are you helping that story or how are you capitalizing on that story? Yeah, so me and the other co-founders kind of started back in 2017, investing our own money into the space. However, there was a lot of noise uh, going around and very quickly became clear that this market, the crypto market moved 10 times faster than like any traditional market where kind of it can easily move 10% within a day. And so instead of doing the trading ourselves, we kind of sat down and tried to look for fund managers that could do the investing on our behalf. And so allow us to kind of sleep a little better at night. However, we were very disappointed and we were just wasting our time with speculators in kind of Versace ties and pink shorts. And they had limited knowledge of how to run a fund, how to manage risk. Um, and so it was very hard to find kind of a fund manager that could offer the quality and the confidence that we required for our money. And therefore we've spent um, kind of almost three years building up a professional way to invest our own money, as well as the money of our network um, in a way that will give us the confidence that we required for our own money. And, Given how different this market is, we've had to kind of build this approach from ground up, uh, from first principles, kind of, and kind of really digging in, exploring how best to explore this really quite um, unique opportunity set. And so we aim to provide a single easy to access route to the very broad and diverse set of opportunities, right from the technology side of things to the um, Bitcoin to um, kind of. Um, very kind of easy, easy sectarian opportunities within the crypto space, the full opportunity range from yeah, long term to short term to medium term of all time horizons over and uh, have a balanced risk of um, score profiles in there. I think you touched upon it slightly in there with the, the idea of having to build from the ground up. How penetrated is this area? Because it seems like even though people are talking about it more, the actual specialism seems to be quite limited. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, in the broader sense, um, the people here in the media, it tends to again focus, as you've said, around kind of the story of Bitcoin. Um, but very rapidly over the past couple of years, you have um, really quite a range of uh, crypto managers, uh, increasingly from the traditional asset management space, who have built up um, a lot of knowledge in very specific and uh, niche areas of this space, given just literally just how fast this space is moving. It is um, they're virtually impossible for any single person to have a detailed and nuanced understanding of every individual area of it as six, mo six months, um, an entire area of this industry can pop up out of nowhere, as we've seen um, with de uh, decentralized finance in 2020 and uh, into this year, kind of non-fungible tokens and kind of digitalization, digitalizing um, artwork on the blockchain has popped up out virtually out of Norway in a matter of months, and gone from nothing to um, a multi-billion dollar industry. With that, it's, it, I mean, again, apologies, if, if, you've, if you've got a bingo card with potential mm -hmm. things a lay journalist could say, disruption is probably one of those blocks on there, but it is a, an area that has been disruptive. How 
potential what's the potential for itself to be disrupted and, and where are we on that stage because you sent me a, a powerpoint uh, from the last time we spoke where you talked about the move from web 2.0 to web 3.0 which that in itself seemed quite disruptive apologies double using the word <laughs> but it's could we talk about that i mean how disruptive there's, sorry there's about eight questions in there how disruptive is the area and then we'll get on to what is web 3.0 yeah so this technology in this asset class um has um is a very compelling kind of opportunity from a pure economic perspective for, as a long-term uh economic growth story because it has the potential to disrupt virtually every industry and has many use cases throughout many like many different stages of the value chain from the supply chains to healthcare to financial insurance uh, to do digital identity um, as there are many kind of places where kind of um, lots of different parties have to kind of come together coordinate um, and kind of have to trust the data from other parties and this is where kind of in these low trust environments is kind of where DLT has its value in terms of Kind of web 3.0 so for those people who don't know web 1.0 was kind of the static web pages of the 1990s uh, web 2.0 was kind of when we had more interactive web of 2000s and 2010s uh, where kind of a lot of user content from blogs to social media to videos was user created so there's very much um, a two-way flow in this um and now we're kind of going coming to web 3.0 which is the integration of industrial revolution 4.0 technologies ai big data uh, internet of things and also native value management into the internet and crypto is this next gen generation value-based internet so so as http and html are the platforms for web 3. Uh, of kind of the world wide web ethereum and other kind of crypto platforms are the base platform for this next evolution of the internet, which can bring in the kind of financial payment rails, which have historically been developed and evolved separately from the internet. And Web 3.0 business models and infrastructure stack is inherently better at achieving this integration of this new technology, this data flow and data sharing that's required to kind of really get the best out of the technology than the current 2.0 business models infrastructure stack and that's because of the decentralization enabled by dlt it seems like there's many things evolving at once then so there's sorry i'm gonna to have to make a note because i've been trying not to cough the entire time sorry so we, we i'll just reset so it seems like there has been a lot of evolution all at once because we've seen web 3.0 industrial revolution 4.0 potentially then you again referring to this is annoying for people listening that they can't actually see what i'm talking to but you sent me a piece which talked about the first generation of crypto was 2009 2015 with bitcoin and litecoin the second generation started in 2015 ended last year and we're now in that third generation could you talk how that journey has developed and what what 2020 and beyond could hold yeah sure um so you know as with any new technology, kind of functionality, efficiency, user friendliness takes time, but dismissing crypto because of the limitations of the base Bitcoin platform is like dismissing the World Wide Web in the 1990s. And already we're seeing kind of um, not just kind of second generation or third generation, but um, kind of software built upon the base Bitcoin network is already kind of increasing its usability. Um, and it's that's similar 
well, pretty much how the web has developed since the 1990s. You're just building additional lines of functionality on top of it. And we're seeing this kind of catch up to second generation, a second generation crypto platforms, which able, enable much more functionality natively. For example, smart contracts, uh, which allow you to automate things, virtual machines that they allow you to kind of run decentralized applications um, over the internet. Um, and then also kind of more user-friendly, powerful programming languages. And then the third generation, which is now what we're kind of seeing come online, um, have been built since 2017 and now kind of coming online and creating, starting to create new uh, valuable services for consumers. And this, these platforms are much more scalable than kind of Bitcoin and they also don't require the large amounts of electricity, electricity to run that Bitcoin does. And so these are, and the main shortcomings of Bitcoin, which these platforms are now kind of starting to solve in a convincing way. Well, that's something that we didn't really touch upon before, and it's come up in the interim. We've, I mean, we've seen Kathy Woods of ARK Invest argue that Bitcoin mining is actually good for the planet, which seems counterintuitive given the, the fact that people say it could use as much energy as a small nation. Are we going to see a, a more energy efficient use or oh, energy efficiency has become less of a concern in the crypto space um i think going forwards yes um on catherine's point um ever, there is evidence to suggest that um the majority of crypto mining is done using renewable energy as the unique thing about crypto mining is it can be done anywhere in the world um the most important thing is the price of electricity, and this tends to be where there's more supply than demand. This tends to be renewable energy sources, as stuff like hydroelectric dams, um, wind energy, solar energy. You have to build it where um, the, the energy source is available, as opposed to next to the big cities where kind of the energy is consumed. And so, kind of next to these hydroelectric dams in kind of the problems in China, where the majority of um, the mining is done, and it's done there because it's just massive abundance of um, uh, renewable energy and um, to some extent um, to the argument goes that um, and also we've actually kind of as a fund of funds seen a lot of a number of ventures which have been financing the you know, wind energy um, solar energy through bitcoin mining as well so uh, there is kind of definitely credence to that um, narrative so there's, there's a greener element already. I think I was working on the naive basis that it will sort of spewing out smokestacks to unlock these combinations, but it seems like it is moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's moving in the right direction. I mean, there's still kind of work to be done and especially these third generation crypto platforms, which um, don't use this massive amount of electricity. Um, well, again, being more environmentally friendly, but we don't foresee kind of Bitcoin and uh, proof of work algorithm, as it's called, kind of blown away with steps. Uh, kind of expect a combination of both as we see with other technologies isn't one winner takes all but a combination one question i'm keen to ask and again i am conscious of it being something you probably feel on a daily basis so apologies if this is going over old ground but to what extent and how likely is it that we move solely to crypto and we see the the genuine death of paper money um this we think is very unlikely um so it is a common kind of misconception um, as it's kind of um, pushed by the kind of Bitcoin maximalist that is um, kind of so-called sound money as kind of described by Austrian economics. 
Um, but um, kind of firstly, kind of mainstream economics um, kind of spews um, deflation, deflationary money, which Bitcoin is as um, as well as a medium of exchange. So kind of Bitcoin has um, so money has three functionalities: store value, medium of exchange, and um, unit of account. So maybe for the medium of exchange functionality, which is what um, fiat money is good for, normal kind of um, paper money. Um, deflationary aspect is normally quite bad as it kind of causes people to kind of essentially use that as an investment and hoard money as opposed to spending it, which is bad for GDP. Um, as opposed to kind of having one global currency, which is the other side of the argument, that is kind of independent from any um, governments. Um, so there is a, well, there's two effects kind of happening kind of on kind of the optimal uh, currency ever. One is um, like having two different uh, currencies, there are kind of frictions there, which can cost trade money. But on the other hand, um, it allows kind of a certain economy or country to adjust relative to others um, without having to go through the painful price adjustments uh, process we've seen in the likes of uh, the European peripheries from Greece to um, Portugal, which because they were stuck to the euro, which was predominantly kind of driven by the German economy, the only way they could um, kind of become competitive again was to go through a painful deflationary process as opposed to their um, currency deflating, which is a much less painful process. Absolutely. It seems like that there are, well, there are pros and cons to every scenario and combination, but it's interesting that you don't see it supplanting it. It will always continue to run in tandem, even if there are yeah. frictions. Um, yeah. I mean, final question for me, Peter, and again, it is something that you will have heard before. How tired of you of seeing or are being asked to predict where Bitcoin will end up this year? Yes, kind of. So again, this um, kind of is what attracts the kind of majority of the media attention as Bitcoin kind of rallying past 60,000, which has really brought the spotlight back onto this space. Um, and it can be frustrating at times as it's only kind of a small part of crypto, a small part of crypto assets, and which itself is only kind of a small part of the entire kind of DLT story. Um, blockchain, DLT, and kind of crypto assets provide some really kind of um, exciting opportunities to generate outsized and sustainable returns both over the long and short term. And the short term part of this is about exploiting market inefficiencies in areas like cryptocurrencies. But the long term part of this is about kind of capturing the economic and the strategic value as different industries develop and implement DLT applications. This kind of concentration in the Bitcoin price kind of misses the core kind of value and longer term proposition of the technology and asset class. But this information asymmetries create significant opportunities for non-entrepreneur investors in the form of inefficient markets. And so the potential for outsized risk-adjusted returns from effective active management is an order of magnitude larger than in traditional asset classes. And one sees this when comparing the outperforms of crypto funds relative to the crypto market overall. So, for example, crypto funds um, outperform, have outperformed crypto markets over the past six years. The average crypto fund has outperformed the wider crypto market by around 15% a year, with only 60% of the volatility of the overall market. And the best strategies based on diversified allocations 
have done even better than this. Well, that sounds like an exciting note to end on. It seems like it's in the area of exceptional growth and potential. So, Peter, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you for your time, too. Thank you.